How often do you prepare for, respond to, and recover from disasters? How often do you consider threats like cybersecurity, wildfires, earthquakes, or mass casualty events? This is Hometown Ready, an all-hazards emergency management podcast brought to you from the Springfield Green County Office of Emergency Management. We aim to educate, entertain, and spark discussions about all things public safety. So settle in and let's discuss how your community can be hometown ready. Welcome to the Hometown Ready podcast. Not only is this month's episode a couple of weeks later than normal, but the method in which we recorded it is different as well. This time of year is busy with special events in Greene County. The Ozark Empire Fair starts in July and extends into August. Once it's over, we turn right around and kick off the birthplace of Route 66 Festival in downtown Springfield. The Office of Emergency Management starts planning several weeks in advance for every special event held in our county, including these two. As you'll be able to hear from the audio, neither of these segments were recorded in our podcast studio. One was recorded in an old stone building on the fairgrounds property. At the beginning of the interview, you'll even hear the air conditioning running in the background. When you're dealing with a 106 degree heat index, the AC is something you do not want to turn off. The second segment of this podcast was recorded at the command post for the Route 66 Festival, which was located in a conference room inside the Vandervoort Hotel in downtown Springfield. The point is, whether it's a special event or an emergency, we deal with all things emergency management and adapt as needed. Now, let's get to the interviews. In the first segment, our host, Aubrey Johnson, talks with Kevin Bosley of Wade Shows at the Ozark Empire Fair. He is the general manager and knows all things related to working special events. All right, I'm Aubrey Johnson, and this is the Hometown Ready Podcast. This series on our podcast, we're having guests from different special events that the Office of Emergency Management works with uh, and throughout the years. Today we have Kevin Bosley. Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you play into the special event world that we work with? Well, first of all, I'm the general manager of Wade Shows, Inc., that uh, my father-in-law, Frank Zajcek, purchased in 1980 with uh, probably 15 rides, and we've grown enough that we own over 100 rides now. And uh, so we have fairs all over the country, and that's what we do, and that's how we go. So your scope has grown from a pretty small little venue to a very large organization that goes, you said, all over the country, coast to coast? Yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, we have three different units that, that travel the country. We have one in, at the Delaware State Fair, one in Michigan, and then us here in Missouri. Uh, and, of course, we're all together. Uh, we do that all year, and we're, we're the only company that plays two state fairs three times a year. It used to be the big thing, one state fair, and then 
the first company that you played two state fairs at the same time was a real, real big deal, and now we do it multiple times a year. So this is what we do. We've grown up, my, my life, I've grown up doing this. I'm 51 now, and I've worked on my first ride when I was 11. Oh, man. So we, 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 we've been around for quite some time, and, and within our whole company, we have people just like me and, and even has more experience. We have people that's been here uh, since before we purchased the carnival. So it's safe to say that you know special event season. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, we, we have the most uh, state fairs of any carnival, uh, weight shows, and... Uh, so that's really, that's what we're built and trained for is really big events when we host, a, you know, a million people or maybe more, you know, and uh, we get a lot of people and, you know, if we go through and like myself, just guesstimation, I probably see 20 million people a year. Oh, man. Well, uh, with that, you do come here to Springfield, Missouri. So how long has your you're working with the Ozark Empire Fairgrounds and the um, Ozark think, Empire Fair. I think Wade shows we've been here right at about 12 or 13 years, give or take. I personally have been here five different times. Uh, reason being is I used to handle the roller coaster division of our company and then I moved into the general manager position two years ago and then now I should be here forever. Um, I, I imagine you get to go to quite a few large locations. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, well, well, we start. Uh, I I started at December twenty eighth or so and left, and we get home about November third. So okay. it's an all season deal. You're on deal, the road so for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, we are, and uh, it may not all be good and pretty, you know, but that's what we do, and and that's what our job is, and that's what we do. In your time, which you said started at 11, how would you say that fairs and this lifestyle has changed over those years? Oh, it's changed tremendously. Um, from back when I was a kid, <clears throat> which we used to you know, play a lot as being kids, but we also got taught a, a good work ethic. Uh, me and myself was very fortunate to, uh, to have really good uh, showman in my life, you know, as far as people to give me uh, a lot of great advice, teach me a lot of things. I learned at a very young age about uh, hydraulics, gearboxes, electrical, you know, valves and, and all, all kinds of different parts that these rides all use. So from back then till now, back to just say the late 80s, the rides were pretty basic. You know, they turned and that's what they did. And basically you would change simple things. And a lot of stuff you could find at a local junkyard is a rear end to a car that would go in a tilt-a-whirl. Oh. You know, so wow. but nowadays everything is much, much more sophisticated. It's all computerized. And uh, the, the safety features are a hundred times better. And everything, if it don't run right, it don't run. So it's a really good part of it for that, for the safety part of our industry now, compared to it was 30 years ago. So significant advances huge, in complexity. Huge, huge. Yeah, we have, we have rides that, uh, 
that could just like like, like if the wind would hit it from a, a, a side direction that was a little tough, then it would be noted in the computer that it kind of went out of true. Okay. And so then the computer would just say, "Hey, okay, stop, figure out the problem, and then we'll restart it." Well, I mean, I've watched your guys set up this whole place in what seemed like hours. So <laughs> I I assume there's a hard, a lot of hard work that goes into it as well. So it's not just computers, but that is nice to know that the safety side of things has grown in complexity as well. Um, safety itself has changed through the years. Um, other than the computing side of things, what other safety advancements has the fairgrounds circus tile, uh, type of world changed? Well, the safety part of is a lot of it is the people. Um, the, the quality of people that you have and the people that actually care, you know, because you could have people that, that, that are qualified and their care level isn't where it should be. Um, you know, for us in this industry, we start with safety and then we build our company around it. To us, safety is all very first. Um, and then we move from there and then we can figure out other ways or other means of maybe getting smarter or learning something, uh, you know, by an incident, maybe, you know, um, sometimes, unfortunately, we've been blessed in the accident world and for our company, but some other companies have had pretty major incidences. And so unfortunately, you learn a lot from accidents, you know, and that's really what we try to do is work ahead of the schedule and learn before the accident happens. So then it's just, uh, it's very difficult. You know, there's so many moving parts, but, uh, but that's the one thing that our, 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 our safety record is impeccable. Um, and that's the way we're going to continue to do it. Very good. I don't think that you're the only field that's had to learn from, you know, other people's mistakes. Lessons learned are just about all over the place, yes. but it is nice to know that you all are looking into other companies for that. Um, with OEM, we we work through the fairgrounds to work with you and get everything from our, you know, our event action plans, making sure that we have a basic understanding of all of our weather-related stuff. I remember when we did our safety walkthrough, they were talking about some of your rides had specific standards on things like wind and lightning. Can you shed a little bit of light on that? Sure. Um, Every, everything we do, we go by manufacturer requirements from what, what, whatever ride it is, they come from all different manufacturers. So every manufacturer has a list of what the ride is capable of doing and not doing. You know, for instance, the yo-yo swings down there is made in Wichita, Kansas from Chance. And the wind speed on that is uh, 18 miles an hour, continuous. Uh, and you can't run it because the swings will swing back and forth into each other. So basically um, you hit that marker and you shut it down. Yes, yeah, and we're equipped with wind meters. Uh, of course, we all scan our phones. I mean, you can look into the sky sometimes and then you're, you're on your phone scanning. And we have multiple people that <clears throat> I communicate with 
every minute or every two minutes that he'll scan the phone, I'll scan the phone, or I'll get the wind meter. And we'll go in certain places, like on top of the roller coaster with the wind meter to see what the wind is at 60 feet versus what it is on the ground. Oh, really? So, and then we can also do it on the mega drop, which is 140 feet. And then the wind is obviously different at 140 feet than it is on the ground. You know, so the, the, the mega drop also has, uh, you know, the wind tolerance of 33 miles an hour. And uh, the, the roller coaster is 18 miles an hour. We have another one that's 22 miles an hour. So everything has a specific number of operation. So it's not like a standard for the whole place. You have different markers That's on right. different rides. That's right. That's right. And then the lightning and, and uh, we, it's a 10 mile radius for lightning. So when the lightning gets within 10 miles of us, you know, the, the, the taller rides, the mega drop, uh, the giant wheel, the, one of the other larger roller coasters, which is 70 foot tall, uh, the zipper, you know, the more taller rides. Uh, at 10 miles an hour, we stop operating it. Or 10 miles with the lightning, we stop operating those. When it comes in closer and we're at six miles, we stop operating totally, any of the rides. And when it gets to about three miles, then we're, if we're loaded, we start worrying about taking cover. So we monitor it mile by mile by mile of what we do in our procedure to, to just keep everybody safe and try to keep them out of harm's way. Here on the fairgrounds, you have us obviously on site to assist you and the National Weather Service of Springfield. At all of your events, do you have something similar to kind of help you a, a relay of communication for something like that? Yes. Yeah, at every event that we go to, uh, we, we have folks just like yourself that we're communicating with. Uh, at the, the state fair, we have the state police that's on site with the big command center that we communicate directly with. But everywhere we go, there's there's always somebody, and, and most of the time, they'll get the information from the local airport, whether it to be a big airport or a little airport, and see what they say, and then they'll relay it through the state police or emergency management team or whatever, and then they also get to us and within a minute. I mean, we're all so close, and we share contacts uh, on a regular basis. <clears throat> Good. Communication is a big aspect of our world, and it's good oh, to it's hear huge. that you yeah, have that. It's huge. You know, last night I was at the rodeo portion, and I saw a young fellow with a helmet. He like, looked like a bicycle helmet. Mm -hmm. Not a bicycle helmet. Like a motorcycle helmet with a face mask and a big old bulletproof vest. Chest protector. Yeah. It looks a lot different than when I was a kid. Are there, are there parts in your world that have been discontinued or had to be changed since you were a kid that they just safety just didn't keep up well not necessarily in, in, in that manner um, what we have learned over the years um, back when you know in the late 80s or even a long time the industry's been around for a long long time uh, what we've learned is uh, hard hats fall protection uh, lockouts and lockouts meaning when you go to a ride and you're inside the center working on something you lock it out you discontinue the electric going to the ride so nobody can start it or anything while you're in the middle and they can't see you 
Sometimes that happens. People will come up and say, hey, I'm going to do my inspection, and I start the ride without looking. And then there's somebody in the middle, and unfortunately, most of the time, they get killed. So locking out is, is a huge part of it to where you discontinue power or the, the computer's disabled to where the ride cannot move until you get yourself out from underneath the piece. Because not everybody pays attention and not everybody knows that you're in there. So that's a big part. So instead of moving away from things entirely, you do more preventative. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, me, myself, uh, it, it, it's an everyday job that we learn more and more every day um, about what we can do to move forward to be better and, and do the advancements of learning how to, um, you know, if we have an incident, you know, a lot of times it's something simple, you know, a kid, a trip and fall or whatever. Well, then we try to figure out a way to prevent that. Well, it's not always that easy. And a lot of times the kids are just excited and they jump in and out and don't pay attention and or anything like that. But on, on the bigger scale, uh, you know, we learn a lot like there was an accident in Orlando when the kid fell out of the drop tower. Everybody knows about it. Horrible, horrible deal. Um, but being in the park scene, we're a lot better off in the portable scene, in my opinion, because we have secondary and even further safety features on these rides. You know, like that particular drop tower had a shoulder harness, and that was it. Well, we got a shoulder harness and a seat belt, so if the shoulder harness fails and it unlocks, the seat belt is going to keep it shut. Well, not everybody does that. And the parks are a lot different. Um, you, you know, we also have the advantage of taking everything apart when we, we tear down and move locations and set back up that we get to see the equipment inside and out. Almost daily. All, yeah, well, well, every week or every two weeks we move. So we get to see the moving parts deeper <clears throat> than what uh, like a Six Flags does because they never take the stuff apart. You know, unless something happens or, you know, they, they might have an annual repair where they'll take the cars off and they'll do an annual inspection, NDT, and, you know, replace bearings and stuff like that in the wheels. But we're, we're much more fortunate, in my opinion, of being able to take it apart and put your hands on all those moving parts so often. You know, there has to be something said for more intimate knowledge of mm -hmm. your equipment. Oh, so I, I can definitely respect that. Uh, but with that, I believe planning is a big part of our field, is planning for, let's say, each individual venue or each individual ride. Is that the kind of approach for you all, or is it more based on a global scale of this is what our footprint looks like and this is how we operate with plans? <clears throat> well, it could go many different ways on that on, on the way I understand what you're saying um, like we'll get a footprint and then uh, we'll we'll build basically like a little city mm -hmm. and we'll put everything where, where we have to measure it out because certain rides have air air distances that you have to clear before you go to the next ride so just say the giant wheel the, the base of it is 53 feet but the air span is 70 so obviously you'll plan it out and set things that you know on the other side of that seventy foot. 
So, but I I think that kind of, but everything changes. And, and, and I think the other part of the question, um, you know, we plan, sometimes we've played certain fairs for so many years. So at, at certain times of the year and certain locations, you've learned over the years of what could possibly uh, be uh, or expect of what happens in that area of the country. Specifically, uh, like Oklahoma, it could just ramp up in the middle of nowhere, you got a storm, and one day it's 80 degrees and tomorrow it's 30. You know, so you... It's Midwest for you. Yeah, just (laughs) here in Missouri the same way. You know, one minute it could be 100 degrees and next minute it's raining and storming and and going crazy and then it calms down and it's all back to normal. So uh, we've learned across the country and you know, and a lot of the planning with our logistics is is uh, like hurricane season. You want to be up further in the country so it doesn't affect your business, you know. Or in the winter, you're down south, you know, and stuff like that. So there is a lot of planning that goes with that when you're making your route of uh, your season. And that's just over time you learn of what, like, the places has to offer, whether it's good or bad. Very good. Do you believe that, I would say this would be more for the public, but do you believe the public has been respect receptive to safety and changes of the fair industry? Um, I think a lot of people are unaware, to be honest with you. You know, um, some people have the attitude, oh, it's a carnival, it's crazy, you know, uh, it's unsafe. or And then some people really might not even care. And then some people respect the fact that that you do know what you're doing. Um, you know, for instance, on the roller coasters, and this is just a little thing, I'll tell you a quick story. On the roller coasters, we what we do is shut them down every four hours and do a block check. So the base of the coaster is setting on blocks that are cribbed and, and properly put. But with the vibration and the movements and pressures of the cars going, they tend to, they, they can vibrate loose or change or, so every four hours we made it mandatory within our own company that you do a block check. So as you're doing that, and this happened to me personally in the North Carolina State Fair, we had people lined up waiting an hour and 45 minutes to ride is how busy it is. We're doing the block check and we get done, we get back up there, reset the ride, and everybody is applauding us for doing that. So that right there, that's a really special moment. And that's something that you never forget. But they they do respect it and they understand it. But that one particular instance, I'll, I'll remember forever. Well, that's good. I was actually <laughs> thinking, you know, the other night we had some pretty significant weather roll mm-hmm. through and I was wondering if people were receptive to that type of thing as well having to maybe shut down early or like you said massive wind gusts come through and you can only run certain rides yeah well they they are well once you explain that to them most people do understand you know the younger teenagers and stuff they're fearless and they just want to ride the rides but when you explain it to certain people of exactly what it is and they understand that we're trying to protect them first and um, most of them are pretty pretty happy about that. It's nice to be young and bulletproof, but I mean, I, pre- I pre- prefer your safety mechanisms. Yeah, well, well you gotta remember, there's a lot of stuff out there 
and not just the rides. You know, I like the giant wheel. It it's good for 140 mile an hour wind. Yeah, you know, so the 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 big equipment is not really, to, in my opinion, the the safety factor. It's more of the other stuff uh, that that we put up across the fairs. It's what we call gingerbread, the beautification of the fairs, and privacy screen and umbrellas and you know big tops and stuff. Those are really the the parts that you got to focus on the most because that's the stuff that can move very easily with a gust of wind. The big rides they'll be fine. It's it's all the little things and some of the concessions are... Lots of tents. Yeah, you know, so those things, they, they catch the wind sometimes and, you know, they tip over and they get bloated, you know, so that, that part alone, that's where we focus at. And we used to even bring, uh, when the big storms would come in, we'd shut down early, we would bring our semi-trailers in to block the wind from a lot of the stuff to protect the equipment. But that's with no people on site. Okay. That's when it's empty. But with people on site, um, you try to just get them in the safest spot. Normally, it'd be somewhere like a big building at the fair. You know, once you get to it, and, and if you can't clear it out, if you got a hundred thousand people there, it'd be a little hard to clear it out in fifteen minutes. Oh yeah. So you try to just get them into the safest spot to 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 ride the storm out and then come out afterwards and see what happened. You know a. An interesting thing about safety and planning, they're not perfect. It's never exact. Have you all ever experienced any lessons learned other than uh, from other organizations, like you said? Yeah, well, yeah, the things that, that, that we learn in, in that kind of situation is it's not really life-threatening, if you will. You, you know, like I said, I just mentioned about the, the loose parts that we put up for beautification. You know, we've learned how to take care of that stuff better because the big rides are, I mean, they're not gonna go nowhere. You know, the wheel, it's like a quarter of a million pounds. So it's not gonna just get up and blow away. Yeah. You know, it's the, the, the lighter stuff, the concessions with the tents and everything that catches the wind. So finding ways to keep that stuff anchored. Yeah, well, all, everything is anchored to the ground with stakes. And we take the stakes in about three and a half to four feet. And then um, everything is anchored to the ground. So then, but sometimes, you know, if you got a strap, a strap will break. Uh, like, it, nothing's ever perfect. No. And you can't guarantee anything when bad weather, I mean, it's a moving situation. You know, and sometimes you just hope for the best. Take the safety mechanisms as high as you can and then get everybody yeah, out of the way. That's it. Do the best you can and then, you know, ride it out and, and clean up the mess when you're done. Good. And anything else that you'd like to mention about how you all do safety? Well, well we do safety. Uh, all of us are certified uh, ride inspectors and, and we have people that come in and train us to be, to be certified. You don't just get to be certified. It takes a lot of a lot of training, a lot of class work. And it's not always in the field, you know, but we learn most of the stuff in the field. When something goes wrong, we put your hands on it or, you, you know, you communicate with other companies across the, the country to, um, like we all share information. It's not a secret about safety in this industry. And a lot of us are competitors and we don't like each other, but when it comes to safety, we love each other. That's great. And, and that's the only part because um, it's a very cutthroat kind of industry sometimes. 
you know, and uh, but people's lives come first. That's right, and and you'd be amazed of human beings that jump in when it's time to jump in and, and try to save somebody's life or or save them from in you know getting to that point. Um, you know, there's many, many, many stories about that kind of stuff that throughout my career that I've seen and heard and witnessed. Um, so you learn from that and you don't want to ever see it again. Well, very much appreciate your time today and for everybody else out there that's listening, we'll continue this series soon. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. The second segment of this episode features Laura Daniger of Aaron Sachs and Associates and Eric Latimer, Operations Section Chief for the Springfield Fire Department. Both of these individuals have an intimate knowledge of planning and organizing the birthplace of Route 66 Festival. All right, so as I said, we're going to have some folks here for the Route 66 Festival come in and uh, continue this series of special events and what it takes to produce the special events that we do here in our town. Either one of you like to start and tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization. Uh, yeah, my name is Eric Latimer. I'm with Springfield Fire Department and I'm the Division Chief over Fire Operations. And my main role is to ensure that our services are delivered to our citizens of Springfield and also collaborate with many partnered public safety agencies on special events. And I'm Laura Daniger from Aaron Saxon Associates. I'm the event director. And uh, this is my third official Route 66 festival. Okay. So that goes right into my second question. So three for you, but uh, how long has Springfield been working with the Aaron Sachs group uh, with special events? I think they have... Well, we've done a, a few different other events, but for the most part, I believe Aaron Sex has been a part of this for 12 years. And, Chief, it's uh, going to be about as long as Springfield has had events, I'm assuming, for your organization. Yeah, for the fire department, we've been uh, a key player, just like uh, police department and both Cox and Mercy uh, in our community and uh, public works. So, yeah, we've been heavily involved in special events in our community. How about you personally for Route 66? Uh, this would probably be my sixth involvement in Route 66 as far as the uh, planning side of things. Okay. So in your three years and your six years, how much has this event changed? Well, this year in particular for me, I have seen more involvement from behind the scenes than ever before. I've been a part of it from the very beginning, uh, being on the steering committee and then being involved with the OEM uh, group. And we have just taken it to a whole nother level of safety and the experience for the Springfield. Um, but yeah, it's really grown and evolved to be probably one of the best festivals that we've had. So uh, just since the uh, start of uh, being part of the planning side of special events, the typically we just uh, planned out maybe fire responses. How are we going to get fire trucks into something? But now we're heavily involved in mass casualty incidents. If uh, unfortunately, uh, with news out there of for the marathon, uh, Boston Marathon bombings uh, in Charleston, uh, Virginia, where they had a car being used as a weapon. We have to think about all this stuff now 
So uh, rather than just thinking of something catching on fire, we're thinking of multiple patients uh, keeping uh, roadway blocked, roadways blocked, from um, coordinating with Public Works to get all their barricades out there. So, but as far as Route 66, uh, from my initial uh, time in Springfield, coming to the very first one to, to this one, it has completely evolved. I think one thing that draws people to these events is not only just the event itself, but the, the feel of being safe in these events. And it's a collaborative effort from the uh, working with Aaron Sachs, uh, working with Public Works to uh, to the OEM, EMS, law, and fire. It's just a with all of us being involved in this from the beginning, it's really made this successful event. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree on that. And even every, everything you mentioned was kind of something that somebody else pro, uh, produced. Um, but I also go back to we plan for things that somebody else may not even be involved. Uh, I can't remember the concert a long time ago that the stage collapsed. And we have big stages here for performers that perform live in our streets. So we got to prepare for that type of thing as well. And uh, as you know, this year we had that trophy. Not only do we got to protect the people, we got to protect that trophy for the Chiefs. So there's a there's a lot of stuff going on. I uh, I definitely appreciate what you all do and all the planning that you all have helped us with as well. From the barricades to keeping the the festival goers safe in the footprint is very important for all of us, whether it's fire, police, or Aaron Sachs and Associates. That is our main focus, and then making sure they all have a good time and that. The heat doesn't get them overexhausted, what have you. You know, and we've kind of circled around it, but safety is a big part of what we're talking about. And it's also a big part of what has changed over the years. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm referring to with uh, upgrades from fire helmets all the way through the barricades that we're using and the training that we give to our people. Um, what kind of safety advancements do you think we have in place for an event like this? Well, we have meetings twice a day through the festival and then leading up to the festival. Um, just planning, making sure each division is taken care of and they have everything properly in place and making sure that everything is set and timed appropriately. Uh, just getting the trophy into the footprint, we had to make changes on the fly to adapt and change. But that kind of goes hand in hand with events. Things change rapidly, as well as weather and keeping everybody safe during the weather. Yeah, just uh, some of the intel that we're able to get nowadays and uh, getting uh, timely intel into our law enforcement partners and also the cameras that we have available uh, to keep uh, watching the crowds, uh, not necessarily face identification, but just Where's the crowds? Where's everybody going to? Uh, and radio communication, uh, location on G GPS location of folks, accountability if uh, for the safety of officers. They know exactly where their officers are at all times. Uh, we can see where all the officers are in the command post. And uh, just having that ability to communicate is really enhanced the safety uh, for both responders and patrons at these events i definitely agree the the it the radio communications our cameras radar technology for the weather we have definitely grown a lot in the in the recent years on the advancements that we can offer for that 
Has there been anything that you know of that we've moved away from in the previous Route 66 events because of safety or advancement measures? One of the things we've moved away from is just allowing vehicles close to the footprint. And uh, scooters. We, and scooters. And we try to minimize any potential moving equipment other than uh, what the uh, authorized folks that are uh, doing logistics, public safety uh, needs of the event. Uh, but we're, we're limiting what comes in the footprint. We're providing protections with barricades. And we're also just being more accountable of our folks. We will, I will say that this year is our largest footprint for this festival. We've expanded and it seems to be going very smoothly. I know we always want to make the fan experience even bigger and better, but safety is huge. And all of that, the planning starts as early as October and continues and becomes multiple meetings with multiple different groups and multiple different planning sessions and, and it just all works in the end, but it takes a lot of collaboration from a lot of different entities. You have a knack for leading me into my next question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was about to ask if the venue stays the exact same every time or if we change the footprint every year. Uh, for the most part, it has stayed the same until this year. Uh, this year, we added the uh, grassy expo lot next to it. Um, that has um, been developed by the Rotary. Um, I have not had the opportunity to get down there because I'm kind of stuck in one little area, but I hope to. Um, and then we expanded into Expo for the Chiefs, and today is the Cornhole Tournament down there. So we're trying to involve uh, not only that area, but we also want to involve the uh, restaurants and businesses down here around the Route 66 mile footprint. Um, and it seems to be going well. We always love to have that opportunity um, to invite them to do more. We want to help them do more. We want to include them. We never want to exclude the businesses here. We never want them to feel like we're excluding them from the footprint. We always want to involve them in some way, shape, or form, because that is important. This is their livelihood. We want to bring people to those businesses, and that's another reason why we have the festival still down here in the, in the footprint of downtown Springfield. My next question that I wanted to go over was the EAP event action plans that's what we have right here in front of us what we are all supposed to have read every inch of i'm sure that happens but you all have been a part of several of these you are both part of the planning committees so do those look different every year and do we learn from previous eaps uh well just starting uh, for our very first one was just black and white Straight up ICS 201s, 202s, 204s, 205s. Just here it is. And it was just papers stapled together for the most part. But as getting with collaboration with our public safety partners, we've been able to add more stuff to it. And also from the private sector, getting more stuff in there to make it more about the event rather than just a uh, here's a generic EAP. And uh, But one, one great thing about this EAP is we can quickly pull the stuff out of it and make it an IAP uh, very quickly. If we do have an incident, I think we, as these events evolved, we've added more stuff because we think, hey, what could this, you know, 
how can we improve this or Prevent. we didn't think about that prevention and so forth so there's a lot of things uh, from the Bass Pro one to this one we, we've even we're just growing them and uh, can't think of everything but every year we add stuff I will say going into these meetings as you kind of just all the acronyms that these uh, these meetings have it's taken this girl a long time <laughs> to get to know what you guys are talking about but it's everybody has the best interest in this festival and other events that we just really want to make it an overall wonderful event for everybody. I would have to say on behalf of my deputy director, as he is kind of narrating some of these current shows, the visual aesthetic of these EAPs are a great thing, but I think his whole point is making them easily digestible. The maps have improved greatly. Little tabs that people can quickly get to their section, phone numbers upon phone numbers, radio channels. I think his point, even though they look great and I do appreciate their look, I think he's used his abilities in graphic design to really try to make this digestible for anybody to be able to grab this EAP and, it and, definitely is. and use it. For this girl, I look at all these maps, and then we look and we use these maps not only here during the festival, we, we use them during the steering committee, planning for the event and how we can go forward, and just the different entities, and it helps me know what you guys are doing also behind the scenes. Very good. I'm glad that you read it. I, did, I have. <laughs> Again, a lot of this has been about safety. Do you think the public, John Public of Springfield, is receptive to the changes that safety has inconvenienced or convenienced them through the years. I think the the small incremental changes that we have made over the years, they don't notice any of the inconveniences. If we would have immediately just implemented everything from the second year to now, oh, they would have noticed. But just the incremental improvements to safety, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think it bothers them. They doesn't phase them. They're still coming. They're still appreciative of everything. They're just as friendly as can be. Um, seeing law enforcement out there, EMS out there, fire out there, uh, seeing all the support staff out there in their shirts. I think everybody is just happy. They don't feel any inconvenience at all. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you one hundred percent. I mean, we try to make as little changes as we can to keep everybody happy and safe, but. Really, it's it's overall, I think you're right. It's just about the, um, there's not really that many changes that they they can see because we've done, I think, our job well. True. And, I, I mean, you have to think about it. They go as far as fire department is certifying tents to make sure that the public's safe around them. We put up little fences in front of the, the stage. stage. It's all just part of... The way what, we what we're doing, and I don't think that they've noticed, but it's it's something that we do to keep everybody safe. Safety and planning are not perfect; they're not exact. But are you? Do you believe that there's been any real lessons learned from our previous Route 66 events that have been something that we had to change, and we knew at the end of that year? Uh, well, we're always talking barricades. Yeah, uh, that's that's one. <laughs> thing is vehicles in the crowds so we're we're always evaluating that to uh, as the 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 footprint changes just a little bit but we also have to change where our barricades are and some some barricades uh, create 
the logistical additional logistical needs uh, for by barricades course. you're talking both big big dump trucks all the way down to some of the cones and yes. uh, water barricades yes just so the public knows what we're talking about here yes. it's not it's not just about a road cone it's it's as big as a man barricade that we have to have somebody drive away right yes we've tried to add um different footprints to also keep uh like a water mister behind the backstage a backstage lot to keep people have a just to give them a comfortable place to sit and enjoy and rest and hopefully you know recover from the heat a little bit that was new this year that we added just to and then we also brought that there to attract those uh, customers to those businesses so you're we, saying you go as far to change thing on the fly when you know heat's coming Yes. You add other measures. We do, 100%. Very good. Well, I think I've taken enough of your all's time. Is there anything else about safety or this process with Route 66 that you all would like to chime in about? I don't know that this could happen without everybody's help. I know I have appreciated it. I know Aaron Sachs appreciates it. But this festival couldn't happen without all of you. Yeah, just collaboration. Everybody's... Yes on the same page everybody's number one priority when we have our meeting is the safety of our folks and the experience they get to have when they're at these events and that's safety and their experience are our top priorities and every every year it just continues to improve and between the collaboration of everybody i I think this is another successful event uh, for the city of springfield and our citizens very good well we've been talking about the Route 66 Festival here in Springfield, Missouri. This has been another Hometown Ready podcast, and we thank you for listening. Tune in next month for a new discussion in the Hometown Ready studio, your all-hazards emergency management podcast. But before you leave, don't forget to click on that subscribe button and let us know how you liked today's episode. And as always, be aware and take care.